Well, hopefully you've opened up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Um, as we've said each and every week, that this year is turning out to be a very interesting year in our world. And so what we've done this year is that we've focused in on, on uh, faith, Bible prophecy, and what the Bible says about the, the end times or the last days. Faith, how do we live out this this walk with the Lord. Now, if you're like me, I come from a background where, where walking in faith meant that we all just were good boys and girls, and that's what it meant. And, and yet I've learned through the years that God wants us to do more than just be nice people, that he actually wants to do something in us and through us, and there's some, that he wants us to trust him as we go forward. So we've been talking about how we do that, and then we've been talking about Bible prophecy, and as I said, uh, specifically last day's prophecy. You know, a third of the Bible is prophecy, and, and it lays out future events before, before they take place with incredible precision. And so we've been talking about that this year, and it's for that reason that we've chosen to study the two very, very small books of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. And the reason for that is because the, the theme of these two books is the end times. And so there's so much prophecy about all the events that are going to take place in, in the, the last days just before Jesus comes back. And so we, we've been looking at that. And, and, and so as we get into this today, there's one thing I, I want to say. If you've been around Calvary for any length of time, I'm going to say some things that you've heard before. And, and I, I always view this like, like this week, uh, guys, you'll probably understand this, but this week, early this week for breakfast on Monday, I had, I had meat. And, and then uh, for lunch, I, I had meat. And, and then for dinner, I had meat. And if I were to go through the, the week, you'd find that most of the time I had meat. But I never came to the place where I go, I've already had that before. I'm never going to have that again. You know, and just, just put that away. And, and sometimes what happens, uh, you know, we'll hear something and we'll respond. We say, well, I've already heard that before. You know, why do we need to go over this again? Well, it, it, because it's important. It's important. And you want to make sure that you get this. So again, some of the things that, that uh, you've heard before. Now, for some of you, this is going to be brand new stuff. And because of that, I want to do my very best to unpack this uh, because we all come from very different church backgrounds. So the, the Bible speaks of this time period called the last days or, or the end times. And um, there are certain things that the Bible says would be unique, unique in history that would only take place in that last generation, the last times are the, are, are the, the end times. So over the course of the next couple of weeks, as Paul walks through end times prophecy, I'm going to highlight some of those things that the Bible says this will only take place in that final generation. You're going to see some very interesting things as we go. And so this is going to build each week, but this week I'm going to kind of just unpack some things. So um, the, the end times the Bible teaches will begin with an event. And this is throughout the, the uh, Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. And each week I'm going to highlight some of the places where it says this. But I want you to write this down. That uh, one of the events that the, that the Bible speaks about throughout is that Israel will become a nation again. Israel will become a nation again. Now, 
Uh, you've heard me say many, many times that Israel is the only nation on the planet in the history of the world that existed as a nation in 70 AD, ceased to exist as a nation. God's people, Israel, moved out. And it wasn't until 1948, almost 2,000 years later, just as the Bible said, that Israel became a nation again. So there on your outline, I'm going to give you just two quick verses there uh, from, from Ezekiel. And also you can read Ezekiel 36 and 37. It's two chapters of God bringing Israel back into its homeland in the last days. But there in your outline, it says, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will take the sons of Israel from among the nations. And you want to underline the word nations. Other places it will say from the four corners of the earth where they have gone. And I will gather them from every side and bring them back into their own land. And again, it's the only nation that existed as a nation. 2,000 years it does not. And then comes back in just as the Bible said. Now, once they are in their homeland, you go one more chapter over, there's another verse there in Ezekiel 38. It says, now, God says, you will come up against, and you want to underline, my people Israel, my people Israel, like a cloud Uh, like a cloud to cover the land, and it will come about in the last days, you want to underline that, that I shall bring you against my land. And so Ezekiel 36, 37, 38, 39 deal with the last days, God bringing Israel back into its homeland. Fascinating read. I encourage you to read that. But that begins the last days. Now I had to underline a couple of things in that verse. I just want to highlight very quickly. First of all, uh, we underline last days. So the time period is the last days. And we'd say that final generation. We notice that he says, my people Israel. And that's important because in the last days, when God brings his nation back into their homeland, they are still God's people. I went to a seminary that taught what was called replacement theology that said that God is done with the Jewish people. And, uh, and that's not true. In the last days when God brings them back, they're still his people. So that's going to be important for uh, our study and our understanding of uh, end times. But then I also want you to notice that we underline where it says, my land, my land. Now, Uh, That's very interesting to me because God says they're my people and it's my land and it's my people Israel. Once Israel was kicked out of their homeland in 70 AD, the homeland of Israel was renamed after the ancient enemies of Israel. So how many of you have ever heard it called Palestine? So Palestine is the same word as Philistine, Philistine. Uh, Goliath was a Philistine. And uh, so Philistine, Palestine, Palestine. Same word, same word, uh, just a a different language. And that was given as an insult, kind of like a poke in the face to God. So you want to make sure that that, uh, you refer to it as Israel because God calls it the nation of Israel. So that would be like the big picture event that's going to take place on the earth and in the world that hadn't happened in 2,000 years. But then there's some things that would take place in the church that would only occur in that final generation. Now some of this, I know if you've been around, you've certainly heard this before, but Peter is speaking there in your outline and uh, Peter says, know this first of all. Now when Peter says, know this first of all, that's his way of saying, this is really important. You need to know this. Uh, This is a very high priority thing. Don't miss it. Know this first of all that in the last days, and you want to underline last days, mockers will come with their mocking 
following after their own lusts and saying, here's how they're mocking, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. Now, when they maintain this, and I want you to underline, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, and you want to underline that, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water. So the first thing I want you to notice is it says, in the last days. Peter says this is going to be in the last days. Some unique things are going to happen. And uh, one of the things that we see is that he says in the last days, mockers will come mocking, where is the promise of his coming? Now, if you've been around, you've heard me say this before, that those who are mocking the whole teaching of Jesus coming back, those aren't people outside the church. Uh, they're, they're, they're not Muslims because Muslims don't know and they don't care. They're not Buddhists because Buddhists don't know and they don't care. The only people who would be mocking the whole teaching of Jesus coming back would be people who are sitting in church pews all around the world today. And, and the truth is when you begin to talk about Jesus coming back, it's not the world that mocks you. It's other people who profess to be believers and they mock you. You and I live in the only generation where in church history, where people who profess to be believers mock those who talk about end times prophecy. Now there's something else in this little passage that is very uh, fascinating. It says there, it goes in, if you get down to verse five in that little passage, it says, now when they maintain this, they're mocking this whole idea of Jesus coming back. It escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water. In the last days, Peter says, it will escape their notice that it all came into existence by the word of God. It all came into existence by the word of God. In the last days, these people who would be in church, uh, they would no longer believe that it came into existence by the word of God. It escapes their notice. They have embraced the whole another process uh, by which it all came into existence. What would that process be? Evolution. It would be evolution. Do you know that you and I live in the only generation in church history in 2,000 years where people go to church each and every week and it escapes their notice? that it all came into existence by the word of God. If you're here today and you profess to be a Christian, but you believe that it came into existence through some other process, evolution, you are the fulfillment of that prophecy. And that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. And, and yet that has only happened in this generation. That would be something very unique in this generation. Do you find that at least a little bit interesting today? So as we get into this, and this week and, and the next two weeks as we unpack this, there, there's a couple of things that you need to be aware of. And we can't develop them all, but I, I want you to be at least aware. There are three events that we're going to talk about. The first one is called the rapture of the church. Now the rapture of the church is where Jesus comes for his saints. Uh, we would say all believers on the earth, or for his church, all believers on the earth. And that event, by the way, if you study the book of Revelation, takes place in Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. But Jesus talked about this uh, at, the, at the Last Supper in John's Gospel. And in John 14, he says this He says, Do not let your heart be troubled. 
believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. And he says, if this were not so, I I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, you want to underline this, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now in this event, this is not Jesus coming back to the earth, this is Jesus coming to receive us to go be where he is. He's going to prepare a place for, for us. There's many dwelling places. And so he will receive us to him. This event is talked about throughout the Bible. It's talked about in the Old Testament. It was spoken of in Isaiah. And uh, there in your outline, Isaiah said it like this. It says, come my people. And uh, again, this is uh, the raptures just for those who, who've placed their trust in Jesus, the believers. Come my people, enter into your rooms, and underline that, and close your doors behind you. Hide for a little while until, and I've underlined this, the indignation runs its course. For behold, the Lord is about to come out from his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. This is going to be something that takes place on a worldwide scale, not not something local. So we notice in that little verse that his people will hear him say, come, come, come here. And they will enter into their rooms. We go to be with him and the door is shut behind us. And, and then he says, and I want you to stay here for a little while until the indignation runs its course. That is the, the inhabitants on the earth, because not everybody goes, but the inhabitants on the earth. Now, The reason it says that and the reason that's so important is that after the rapture of the church, there is another event. And that event is commonly referred to as the seven-year tribulation. And uh, so there on your outline, after God's people are removed and tucked away and, and, and uh, that, that punishment is poured out on the earth on those who have rejected him, uh, there is that seven-year tribulation. And that takes place from Revelation chapter 6 through chapter 18. And Jesus would describe it like this. He says, for then there shall be great tribulation such as hath not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, nor shall, never... No, nor ever shall be. And it's in that time where some very interesting cataclysmic events, disease, war, famine, all, all of it you know, takes place on a, on a global scale. It's going to be in that time period of that seven-year tribulation that the one that you've heard about who's called the Antichrist, he is revealed. And it's going to be in that time that he's going to seek to have a one-world government, a one-world currency. And uh, notice it says there in your outline, in that time period, it says, no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark. And we talk about that more in our Revelation series. I I find it interesting that uh, here in this generation, this past few months, there's been this virus going around. One of the ideas uh, that's been floated, you know, it says they can't buy or sell unless they receive the mark. One of the ideas that's been floated is that everyone has to get a vaccination, we might say mark, and uh, if, then they're going to get a card. 
and they won't be able to buy or sell unless they have that vaccination. How many of you have seen that actually proposed? Yes, it's actually been proposed. Now, that's not the mark of the beast. But what it is, and that's a story for another day, but what it is is those events are becoming closer and closer together, or closer and closer to where we are right now. Now, after that seven-year tribulation, you have the rapture of the church, the church goes to be with Jesus, we go to be with him. Seven-year tribulation, and then after that, uh, there is what is called the second coming. The second coming and the rapture are very, very different. There in your outline, the second coming is where Jesus comes back with his church to the earth. And uh, that takes place in Revelation chapter 19, verses uh, 11 through 16. Now, we talked about this a little bit a couple of weeks ago in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and it closed the chapter by saying, so that he might establish your hearts without blame and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with, and you want to underline that word, with all of his saints. In order for Jesus to come with us, he has to first come for us. So he comes for us, seven-year tribulation, and then he comes with us as we go, come back to the earth with him. That's what the Bible says. So the Bible says a lot about that event. Now, interesting also, uh, there is a verse in Revelation that talks about when we come back with him at that, what's called the second coming. Uh, there in your outline, it says, they sang a new song saying, you have made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God. And they, and that's speaking of us actually, they will reign upon the earth. So when we come back with him, our existence is gonna be very different. And uh, that's a story for another day, but I wanted you just to be aware that there's three events and they take place in a certain order. But today, what I want to do is I want to focus in, because this is what Paul's going to focus in on, is the event that's called the rapture of the church, where Jesus comes for his church. So there on your outline, one of the things that we're going to find is that this will happen instantly and it will be worldwide, instantly and worldwide. Paul says it like this. He says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. And I've underlined that. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. The trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. So this event's going to take place instantly. And uh, when he says we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed, it implies that there is a last generation, a final generation. And uh, that generation, the Bible tells us when Israel becomes a nation again, it tells us that that begins that final generation. Jesus described it like this there in your outline. He says, I tell you that on that night, there will be two in one bed. So I want you to write in that little blank there, just write night. People are in bed, they're sleeping at night. One will be taken and the other will be left. There will be two women grinding at the same place. Now, in the Middle East, the women would grind the meal that morning so that they could bake bread, but that would take place in the morning. So you want to write morning right there. One will be taken and the other will be left. Two men will be in the field. Of course, that takes place during the day. So I want you to write that down. One will be taken and the other will be left. So what, what I would want you to, to just uh, consider is that not everyone is taken. Uh, and the Bible teaches it's only the, the believers who are taken. One is taken, one is left. 
what I find so interesting is that Jesus taught about this worldwide event that would take place instantaneously, and he taught this 2,000 years ago. Guys, uh, it's only been in the last 600 years that the world has come to understand that the world is not flat. So Jesus taught about a worldwide event, day, night, morning, uh, long before we accepted the idea that the world was, was actually round. So next week, when we get into chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, Paul is going to tell us why the believer has to be removed before that tribulation period begins. So we'll talk about that next week. So this leads us to where we are today in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul has started the church. They were expecting Jesus to come back very soon. And, and uh, things are becoming very difficult there in the church. Time is going on. It's been a while. Some people have died. There's been persecution. And they begin asking the question, have we missed the rapture of the church where the church goes up? And are we now, because we're facing tribulation, are we now in that time period called the tribulation? So Paul's going to begin to explain to them that no, the rapture hasn't happened and you're not in this time period of the tribulation. So as we get into this, one of the things that I also want to say, did you notice as it says 1 Thessalonians there, 13 through 18, that there's not a lot of fill-ins? And that's there by design. Because um, if you're like me, I believe that your Bible should be your outline. And so you want to underline, you want to write things in. So I didn't do uh, an outline where you fill in a bunch of stuff just so that you could write it in on your Bible and go back to and remember it. Does that make sense? So verse 13, we're going to pick it up. Chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. A couple of things that are very important. He says, but we... Do not want you to be uninformed brethren. You want to underline the uninformed brethren uh, about those who are asleep, they died, that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. That you won't grieve as the rest who have no hope. One of the things that you notice in the Bible, in the New Testament, anytime Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed about this, those are always the things that the church seems to be the most uninformed about. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, regarding spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren. I don't want you to be uninformed. But if you've been around the church for any length of time, you know that that's one of the things that we're most uninformed about. Uh, and and then he, here he says, as it relates to this, those who are asleep, I don't want you to be uninformed. And sadly, this is one of the things that we are most uninformed about. So we'll talk about that as we go. Verse 14 and 15, he continues. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, I've underlined even so as it says in my Bible, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. They've died. Verse 15, and I've underlined this first part. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive, I've underlined, and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Paul is going to share something that is going to be absolutely incredible. Before he shares it, he says, I want you to know, I'm sharing this. It comes from the word of the Lord. 
This is not something I made up. This comes right from the Lord. And then he says, if we believe, there on your, uh, in your Bible, verse 14, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Paul is saying, if you can believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, then you also can believe uh, that he's going to bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. And I would add, you can also believe what he's about to tell us, what he's about to tell us in the next couple of verses. So uh, again, um, Paul has said uh, to this point, he says, I don't want you uninformed about this. And, uh, and, and uh, you heard me say a few minutes ago, anytime Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed, those are the things that we're typically the most uninformed about. And then he says, what I'm telling you is straight from the Lord. You know, it comes right from the Lord. I want to encourage you to be very wary of um, any religious leader who would say, you know, this end times prophecy thing, it's not that important. It all pans out in the end. Don't focus in on those things. Just remember, Paul said, as it relates to this, I don't want you to be uninformed and that what I'm telling you is coming straight from God. So be careful when somebody says it's not really important. Apparently, Paul thought it was very important. So, Here's how it's all going to go down or up. Verse 16, he says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel, with the, with the trumpet of God and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up. And I've underlined the word caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. We go to meet him. This is not where he comes back to the earth. And so we shall always be with the Lord. So those of us who are alive and remain, that implies that there's going to be a final generation. There's going to be a final generation. Uh, Some are going to be alive and some have passed on and, and they're with the Lord. But in this here, we go to be with him. Do you remember when we opened up on the front of your outline, we read from John and Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself so that where I am in heaven, you may be also. So this event's where we meet him in the air. Verse 17, he says, we who are alive and remain will be caught up. And I've underlined the word caught up together with them in the air. Now this is the event that we commonly refer to as the rapture of the church. If you came from a church background or seminary background like I did, one of the things that they'd say you people talk about the rapture, the rapture of the church. I can't find the word rapture anywhere in my Bible. I've read the Bible. I can't find the word rapture anywhere in my Bible. Well, on the one hand, that's true. But on the other hand, that's very false. And uh, so let me just share with you how this works. There in verse 17, there in your outline, he says, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up. Now the Greek word there is harpazo. 
but the Latin word there, rapimur, I'm probably mispronouncing, mispronouncing that, uh, is the Latin word there, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we should always be with the Lord. In the 300s AD, there was a man named Jerome. Jerome was commissioned by the Catholic Church to translate the Bible into Latin. The reason they wanted to translate the Bible into Latin is that Latin is considered a dead language. What that means by being a dead language, it means it doesn't change. It it means the same thing now as it meant 2,000 years ago. If you have the King James Version Bible and and, uh, you go to, say, Matthew 18, Jesus says, suffer the little children to come to me. Um, and we read that and go, what does that mean? Suffer the little children to come to me? Well, in English, our, our meanings of word changes over time. And so they put it into Latin because it didn't change. So the Latin translation of the Bible became the official translation of the Bible for over a thousand years. So you could only get the Bible, you know, in, in church in Latin. So the word... Uh, rapture uh, does not appear in the English, but it comes from the Latin word, which is right there, which was the only word, uh, the only Bible for a thousand years. So out of that, you'll hear people say raptus or or, or, um, rapier, but uh, that's where that comes from. But that means to be caught up. So it says rapier, it means rapture in English. It just means to be caught up. Does that make sense or did I totally confuse you? Okay, so that's where that word comes from. So yes, it's not in your English Bible, but it's in the only Bible that we had for over a thousand years and it's, it's right there. Now, Paul realizes how incredible this teaching is and uh, so he, he finishes there in verse 18 and in verse 18 he says, therefore, based upon everything I've just told you, comfort one another with these words. So the, the teaching of the rapture, and you want to write this down, was given to be a comfort. It wasn't given to, to freak us out. It was given to be a comfort. And uh, you, I put the word comfort there in your outline. You can translate it to console, encourage, strengthen, consolation, comfort. It's, it's a comfort, guys, because um, when this happens, the next event is the tribulation. And it's a comfort because you're removed before that takes place. And let me just uh, tell you, uh, ask you if, uh, how do I say this? How many of you have ever heard somebody say that they believe that the rapture of the church comes at the end of that tribulation period? Okay. Now, how many of you have ever heard that the uh, rapture of the church comes midway through that time period of the tribulation? Okay, so a couple of things. And next week, Paul's gonna go through why the church has to be removed. So it's given to be a comfort. So if, if I say to you, guys, the tribulation is going to begin. And as believers, you're going to go through that tribulation. Pestilence, death, doom, destruction, war, disease, beheadings, famine, all of that. But take courage because at the end of that time, if you survive, Jesus then takes you to heaven. Is, are you comforted by that? So let's try this. As Christians, you're going to go through the first half 
of the tribulation. Now there's doom, death, destruction, famine, disease, beheadings, uh, boils, stinging. You wish you would die, but you can't die. And, uh, but the good news is halfway through that, Jesus is going to show up and take you to heaven. Does that comfort you? That's where you say no. Now it is better than the whole seven years. I think we can agree on that. But if I were to say to you that, guys, there is a tribulation coming. And Jesus has promised that before that takes place, he's going to come to you and he's going to remove you so that you will be with him and you miss that punishment that comes on the earth. Are you comforted by that? Absolutely, absolutely. It's a comfort. So it's interesting to me as as we close this today. By the way, did you at least find this interesting today? So so here what I'm I'm saying here as we, we wrap up. Paul says, as it relates to this, if you're a believer, he says, I don't want you uninformed about this. Don't be uninformed about this. And then he says, everything that I'm telling you, I want you to know, this comes straight from the Lord, and I don't want you uninformed. And then he ends up by saying, and everything I've told you is to be a comfort to you. Isn't it interesting that you and I live in a generation in church world where although Paul says, I don't want you uninformed about this, what I'm telling you comes straight from the Lord and it's to be a comfort. This is the one thing that we almost never talk about in church. Do you find that interesting? And, and, and so for that reason here at Calvary, we, we, we do that. Over the course of the next couple of weeks, we're going to explore this a little bit more. We're going to talk about some things the Bible says about that final generation. I think you're going to find it very interesting. But what I, what I would want to say just as we close today is that if you're here and you've never placed your trust, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I can tell you with absolute certainty that we are very near these things taking place. As, and you'll see it over the course of the next couple of weeks. This is the time for you to make sure that you are in relationship with Jesus. That is, that you have invited Jesus into your life. You have received his forgiveness of sins. Uh, You have received his gift of eternal life. That you've received his Holy Spirit to come dwell within you. And and that you've purposed to now be following him. And, um, And as I close today... You can do that. You can do that. You don't want to leave here without knowing that you know that you know that you know that you're in the right relationship with him. And it's very simple. He made it as easy as he could make it. Just invite him in. Say, Jesus, I want that. And he promises if you do, he'll step in. Join me in prayer. Father, as we wrap this up today, Lord, we don't want to be uninformed. Come straight from you. It's an incredible comfort. We realize that certain things are coming upon the earth and that we're seeing some of those things now that we've been talking about and certainly it's becoming more and more true every day. And so Lord, for for those of us who are here today, um, we know you. Lord, help us to represent you in this time. Help us to walk in a way that pleases you, that honors you. And then then, Lord, for those of us who are here today that that, uh, we would say, I have not come to that place, but I want that relationship with him. 
then we, we just look to you, Jesus, and say, Jesus, come into my life. Save me. I accept your forgiveness. I want your free gift of eternal life. I want this relationship with you for now and through all eternity. And if you invite him in, he promises to never leave. And this is the one thing that I can tell you that you've never met anyone who has ever given their life to the Lord and followed him over the long haul who has ever said, I regret that decision. Uh, That never happens. But what we all say is, why did I wait? Why did I wait? And uh, so if that's you today and you've invited him in, you're part of his family, I want to encourage you, let us know. Fill out your connection card. Tell somebody and so that we can help point you in the right direction to begin growing in this relationship. Father, I, I thank you for this teaching, for your word, for this congregation, their love for you, the things of your word and your spirit and all that you're doing in this time. I pray, God, that you keep us till we meet again. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and all God's people said, amen. amen. Well, God bless you guys.